Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to run for homecoming queen, and I'm going to win. This is starting to be sad. Sorry, Cordy, but you have no idea who you're messing with. What, this Slayer? I'm not talking about the Slayer. I'm talking about Buffy. You've awakened the prom queen within, and that crown is going to be mine. Everybody, it's me, your elected homecoming queen, Jenny Owen Young. Well, uh, when did the vote get cast? None of your business. Wow. Here we are at the top of the episode with some very exciting announcements, which I'm telling you about because I am your elected homecoming oh, queen. Oh, brother. First of all, let me tell you something. If you're in the LA area, I am playing a show, a musical show, this very Friday, the 13th of October 2017. I'll be playing over at Troubadour, opening up for my buddy Dan Wilson. It's going to be really fun. Doors are at 8 o'clock, and I would love to high-five you all. I'm also playing up in San Francisco with Dan on Saturday the 21st at the Swedish American Hall. You can find out all the information for those two shows at JennyOwenYoungs.com. Please come out. I would love to see you all and high-five you and stuff. As the runner-up to this homecoming ballot that I was not aware of, I'm I not have, entirely I certain have... that you are a runner-up. I need to oh, tell oh, you the because votes. maybe the there are still being maybe counted. there are two homecoming queens, <laughs> like in this very episode. That might be the case. Well, as your second homecoming queen, I would like to tell you about a show that we are doing together the next, the very next day. It's a busy weekend for Jenny and Kristen. Wow! On Saturday night, the 14th at 9 p.m., we will be at the Nerd Melt Showroom in Los Angeles. The show is almost sold out. We are doing a live taping of Revelations. We will have guests Christine Tuna, Kate Leth, and Ira Madison III. Wow! It is going to be just really great. So you should join us there. And if you are not in LA, you should know that if you're a patron of ours, you can join us to watch the episode Revelations with us on a Buffy watch at 2 p.m. that very same day. You can get all the information about that show and ticket links at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You know what else you can get at bufferingthevampireslayer.com? <laughs> baseball tees, baseball tees, hoodies, hoodies, hats, and hats. Saturday in the Steel Gage. <laughs> one will enter and one will exit with a lot of new merch should you so choose to acquire it. You can do that at bufferingthevampireslayer.com by clicking on shop. Yes, and I have a message. It's a longer message. Buckle up. Today is National Coming Out Day. 29 years ago, on the anniversary of the National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, National Coming Out Day was observed for the very first time. Today I read a piece in the Washington Post that argued about the fact that maybe we shouldn't be celebrating this day anymore because of the progress that's been made by LGBTQ communities and because this day underlines how we're different from, quote, the norm of heterosexuality. I take great issue with this position, and I cannot think of a more important time in my entire life to celebrate and lift up National Coming Out Day. We have a long way to go as an LGBTQ community, and I'm honored to be a part of the movement forward and the movement against the many harmful things that we've seen even in the past few weeks coming through the current administration. 
My life is different from the lives of many of my cisgender heterosexual peers, and it's important that the troubling parts of those differences be examined and that the beautiful parts of those differences be celebrated. I don't talk a bunch about my work with LGBTQ communities during our podcast, but I wanted to take a moment before today's episode to note this day and to tell you a little bit about the work that I've done over the past decade. I currently run two online support organizations for LGBTQ young people and their loved ones. Everyone is Gay is an advice website that I co-founded in 2010, and it contains thousands of answers to questions submitted by LGBTQ young people, everything from coming out to questioning gender identity to falling in love with your best friend. I toured hundreds of colleges and high schools over the past few years, and in speaking with the many students during that time, I realized that there was also a glaring absence in resources for parents and loved ones. As a response to this, I co-founded My Kid is Gay, which is an online advice website for parents and loved ones of LGBTQ people who have recently or not so recently come out. I also wrote This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids, which is a question and answer guide that tackles everything from differing religious beliefs to talking to your kids about safe sex to how to know if and when and how to tell other people about your LGBTQ loved one. You can learn more about Everyone is Gay at everyoneisgay.com, mykidisgay at mykidisgay.com, and you can get This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids on Amazon or at many of your local bookstores. I just want to say I think that this book, This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids, should actually just be called This is a Book for Parents or people, because I think it's important that we all educate ourselves on the many different things that come up when we are interacting with LGBTQ loved ones in so many different ways. So today on National Coming Out Day, perhaps you'll go, you'll find the book, you'll get a copy for yourself or someone else that you know, or you'll make the decision to share these resources with people in your life. Happy National Coming Out Day to so many of you out there. If you have come out today, congratulations. And if you need any help, I am here for you, as is the work that I've been doing for the last 10 years. All right. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season three, episode five, Homecoming. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Homecoming was written and directed by David Greenwalt and aired originally on November 3rd, 1998. Yes, and uh, this is the one, according to IMDb, where, <clears throat> as Buffy and Cordelia vie for homecoming queen, a group of killers gather to participate in, what, Jenny? Slayer Fest 98! Slayer Fest 98! Listen, IMDb has fucked up in the past, but they, but have they nailed did it. not drop the ball on this one. No, they were like, two most important things about this episode, homecoming and Slayer Fest. Yeah, nicely and done. That, I mean, this episode, like, just in a larger arc way... I love the like side by side of the excitement about homecoming and the excitement about Slayer Fest oh, and yeah. the way they like parallel the two and <laughs> lay them over each other, especially. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more the when we get montage. to it. Yes, that we get not one but two montages <laughs> back to back. Oh, I love a good montage, you know? I do know. So 
My big question to start off this episode, Jenny, is did you go to homecoming? Did you go to any homecomings? Uh, no, I didn't go to a homecoming dance. I didn't go to a prom. You uh, I never went to a formal dance after junior high, I don't think. Wow. I went to some. I didn't go to a lot. I But homecoming, so in the episode, here's what I'm confused about in the episode. They paint homecoming kind of like it's a senior thing, and they also paint it like it's not a thing where college freshmen come back, and that's kind of the point of homecoming. At least that was my experience. That they always they like scheduled homecoming, I feel like maybe before Thanksgiving or something. It was like it was scheduled so that kids would be home from right, college right, right. and they could like come to see the football game and like be like, "Oh, my high school" because it was like before they were ready to be like, "Fuck my high school." Right, right. <laughs> Um, they well, don't really... they probably just didn't have time, and we don't know any. Uh, we don't know any graduate. <laughs> but also, I feel like they didn't paint it like the dance was just for seniors, but maybe just that the, the homecoming queen. queen. Also, where's no the homecoming king? Yeah. <laughs> just two homecoming queens. My kind of homecoming. Man, the show just keeps getting queerer and queerer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we start the episode at the bronze. And we're, we're watching, we watched this episode with a friend of ours who's never seen the series before. And she was like, where are they? <laughs> Great <laughs> she, question. She couldn't conceptualize where these high school students were possibly hanging out. Yeah, because who had that place to hang out right? at? Right. I, I was like, it's like the peach pit, but with alcohol, but yeah. not, but it's very confusing. Some alcohol, but <laughs> yeah. not, not for the later. teens. Yeah. So anyhow, they're at the bronze and, you know, couples are there together. We've got Oz and Willow and Cordelia and Xander and Buffy's alone at the table and they're talking about prom and she looks a little perplexed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Scott walks over and then Cordy begins the episode. She just shoots right out of her Cordy cannon. Yes. Oh, did Scott not ask Buffy? With Scott <laughs> and Buffy yet. directly there. Uh, and, then, and then Scott does, under pressure, ask Buffy. Mm-hmm. But he says, which I found kind of endearing, my last, probably my last endearing moment with Scott, was like, I thought that you would think it was kind of corny. I didn't think you'd be into homecoming. Which is fair, because Jenny and myself, we were people who weren't, Overly into homecoming. Totally. So had he shit was, to do. He was playing it. He was playing it safe. I, is he, or was, is this the beginning of the You end think it was for foreshadowing? I don't know. It's either foreshadowing or like, I mean, I don't understand this like hard flip switching character change of poor Scott Hope. Right. Because I, I, when we talked about Assassinated it, mercilessly by uh, David Greenwald. Right. Like, because, right. I'm sure that like the lines were maybe written to tip you off, but I wasn't tipped off. I did not foresee what was coming. I didn't think Scott Hope was going to suddenly turn on his heel and be like, um, you seemed so full of life Buffy before this right now you seem really distracted it's like she. if really- he was just a regular guy like if he if he didn't have all of those like endearing quirky qualities and like wasn't like so into Buffy and like trying right. so hard and like just being like making lo- a lot of gestures and stuff it would make more sense if he was just a guy who was like let's hook up right I'm done Blah. right but he was never really that character but I guess David Greenwald saw a naked angel fall out of the sky and was like <laughs> this guy's gotta go <laughs> <laughs> so so he did but uh, before he goes we leave the bronze and we go to the mansion where Angel has found a silk shirt. Thank goodness. But don't worry. The buttons have been <laughs> singed off or something. Oops. And it's flapping in the breeze as he paces like a wild animal. Yes. Looking really paranoid and freaked out. Buffy. Every uh, tiny noise. He's like, uh, 
And then Buffy comes in and she's all, delivery. Yeah. <laughs> Postmates. Yeah. I have <laughs> your blood. Your, your blood for delivery here, which I, I asked Jenny. I thought maybe she was going to Willie, but Jenny said, no, she's going to the butcher. I assume the butcher because that is like getting blood from the butcher is something that is introduced in the show, has been introduced already and, you know, comes back periodically. So... Uh, I don't know for sure if you can just in real life go to the butcher and get blood. I think we should try it. I think you can try it. I want to go wait at home. I want to say I'm doing some research on vampires and I want to know if (laughs) if I have I was harboring a vampire in a man in an abandoned mansion Uh here in California Uh and he had a soul. So he needed blood to survive, but he didn't want to kill anybody. Could I, Mr. Butcher Man, get or Madam Butcher Lady or non-binary <laughs> gender uh, uh, butcher person. Yes. Yes. Uh, can I get some blood from you for this fictional character? And I, what I hope happens in this exchange is that the butcher knows Buffy the Vampire Slayer and we all have a good laugh and then I get facts on blood and buying blood right, from the butcher. Right. Uh, or maybe they'll call the cops on me. I don't know. Do you think that animals have different blood types like how humans have different blood types? I don't I'm know. just wondering if there's like a flavor palette thing <laughs> we go to this coffee shop that has like a flavor palette wheel that's like you know floral and then like the various things that could come off of floral they should have one of those for blood yes. for vamps anyhow uh there's another moment that happens here in the oh well there's a couple Bubby's wearing angel's jacket mm-hmm. um which i wasn't sure i was like is that angel's jacket but then angel of course takes his hands and fingers the jacket ever so lightly after he uh, finds out that Buffy is seeing someone. Oh, yeah. Which he kind of snarls. Yeah. You know, yeah. a little bit of his animal instinct uh-huh. wells up. His and just whips around. Yeah, and then touches the leather jacket. They have a moment. It's a whole thing. And then Buffy is all, Giles, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, Angel, and Angel is like, Giles. And I didn't know what was happening in this moment. And my first thought was, oh, my God, he's remembering. He's remembering all of his love affairs with Giles. All their wow. be- shared beers when the kids weren't around. Uh-huh, all their yeah. chats about two, shaving. 240-year-old guys <laughs> hanging out. Uh, but but no, uh, Kristen, I think that's just Angel remembering that he spent a lot of time torturing Giles. Yeah. That he killed Jenny Calendar. He's, like, still sort of recovering his memories after being, you know, for right. hundreds of years being tortured in an alternate well, dimension. if anyone ever gets a hold of my Buffy notebooks where I take notes on the series and you see Giles, Angel, LOLOL, please know that I did mean no disrespect to Giles. I thought that it was a love memory, not a torture memory. Well, it's nice that your head and heart went to the positive. Yeah, right I was away. just excited. I was like, gang's getting back together <laughs> again, you know? Uh, also, so whatever, then Scott dumps Buffy. What the fuck? We've already discussed it. I don't like it. I don't really believe it. I don't really. I'm just not there. Just not with into it. it. I'm not into it. Buffy's wearing quite an outfit in the breakup scene. Uh, I don't think Kate's going to talk about that outfit. So we'll hang tight. We'll get to <laughs> Kate in a little bit. But after we see the breakup, we of course find out that somebody is spying. Yeah. Zoom out. Binocuvision outline. <laughs> Lots of binocuvision in this episode. Yeah. Buffy uh, being observed by Hans and Frederick while being dumped. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. My notes are OMG twins, OMG dial-up internet, and then trick. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, that dial-up modem 
flip phone. Oh, what a beautiful video. thing. Such, so hyped. So hyped. Yeah, they were way ahead of the You were game. watching this in 98. You were like, I didn't even know a phone could do that. Yeah. A phone in a van? What? Mr. Trick really set us up for a technological uh, yeah. wonderment, though. Modern vampire. Was, yes. The modern Ta- vampire. Talking about how many kilobytes, <laughs> kilobytes. at what speed. <laughs> so, right. So we find out something, something is afoot. And then we go to the credits. We sure do. After we come back from the credits, who do we meet? We meet someone very special. We meet the fucking mayor. It's Mayor Richard Wilkins III. We have heard about this mayor for some time. People have referenced Snyder is always dropping mayor, mayor this, mayor that. Mm -hmm. And here he is in his very clean, very organized, very precise office with his assistant he hates bacteria and mayonnaise alan oh sweet alan i love alan alan loves to please alan Alan just wants to do a good job and this scene is like so amazing like i just i really want to give a shout to whomever like maybe it was david greenwald maybe it was i don't know who it was who like made this scene what it is but talk about establishing a character the first thing we see is the mayor smelling a piece of paper and saying to his assistant show me your hands and being like i think we could do a better job keeping this cleaner you know dirt gets under the fingernails uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's just it really roots him and i think really the first thing the, the very first shot we see is him wiping his hands on a Oh, on a towelette. A moist towelette. Yes, yes, yes. So we know we know something about the mayor. Yeah, we know his priorities. Yeah, he likes, them. he likes some clean stuff. And we know he's uh, he's definitely on a certain kind of line uh-huh. when it comes to, you know, his dealings with his staff. Yes. Uh, so then we leave, right? We leave this, this introductory scene and we go to school pictures. A classic uh, trope. From any television show that right takes of place passage. during high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I have convinced Jenny. Uh, to, no. To, yes. To you have convinced Jenny. That's not what you've that done. That we will be sharing our high school You have convinced Jenny photos. that you will be sharing no. your high school senior Jenny, photo. Jenny. Jenny. I don't even know if Chant I actually... with me at home. Jenny. <laughs> Jenny. Jenny. Can you hear them? I don't even know if I have access to my high school Oh, you better not photo. tell our listeners that because somebody will don't find it for you. Go be a bunch of creeps. Don't do that. <laughs> so we go to school pictures. Now, this this is a Cordelia gift that has been used, you know, hundreds of thousands of times. Um, but I haven't seen the other the other photos used as gifts so often. That's because Cordelia is the only one who's really good at it. Yeah, Cordelia is really nailing the school photo. And of course, not nailing the telling Buffy that school photos are happening. Yeah, she kind of fucks that up. But um, before she fucks that up, we uh, Xander and I share a moment, which I don't like. I don't like to share moments with Xander. Uh-huh. But they were wondering where Buffy and Faith are, and Xander says, "Buffy and Faith, they're getting sweaty together." In the library. In the library. And it should be gross. And I want it to be gross. I want to be like, Xander, stop it. Stop being so gross. Except for I. The man has a point. (laughs) Except for I'm like, yeah, Xander, they are in the library getting sweaty. I mean. (laughs) Oh, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. And you just want two girls to be getting sweaty in the library together. Yes. Nice cut off jeans faith. I didn't notice those, but oh, tell me about them. What kind them. of a queer lady are you? One who was taking tell you about notes. them. 
They were cut off about like half, like they're long. They're not super short, you know? Uh-huh. But she definitely like cut them herself. Nice. And they just fall real nice. They just look real good. Okay. Kristen's fashion watch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, cut off jeans are one thing, but how about when? Wow. Wow. How wow. about? Tell wow. us. Tell us, wow. Jenny. Tell wow. us. What well, happens? Well, Buffy can't go to homecoming with Scott, <laughs> but she already has a ticket, so she should go with Faith. Faith says, Faith says, let's go together to homecoming. Let's go together and use some boys and then discard them, and then I don't know what will happen next. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Great, great, great. So after this enthralling scene, I just feel like I feel like somebody in the writer's room knew what was up. You know what I mean? They were like, in 20 years, Jenny and Kristen mm. will be doing a podcast where they're going to be real excited about queer stuff. So let's just have introduce a character who, like, just in every episode since she's been introduced, will just drop one really suggestive line. Yes. You know? Or more than one. Or more than one. Just for us. You know what else those people were thinking were about they? us what? 20 years in the future? Uh, they were thinking... What class changed Buffy's life? Oh my Could God. it be contemporary American heroes from Amelia Earhart to Maya Angelou? How wonderful is this? There's not even one guy in no. that li- in that two-person no. list of contemporary and American of course, heroes. It's like American heroes that inspire the Slayer. Of course, it's going to be some lady teach. I mean, I wish the lady remembered Buffy. How do you have a teacher or a student named Buffy? And not remember them. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I get you know what you know how is you need to establish something in the episode, which is that Buffy is feeling invisible in high school. That's yes. the only way something like that could happen. But I just want to give a moment to this to this what happened here. It's so it's just sort of like brushed by. It just happened so quick. But like there's this moment where you learn that a teacher in Sunnydale High School is smashing something. Oh my god, what is it? She's smashing something and helping students learn that they too can smash that thing. And I don't maybe we should just like crack open the door to that classroom and just see what they're smashing. The Patriarchy! <laughs> Wow. Great work, everyone. Great work. So Somebody at Sunnydale High School is doing something right. Yes. Uh, a couple of people. This lady and mm. Giles. Yes. <laughs> well, is Giles doing something right or is he forging uh, inappropriately close bonds with the student body? Oh, I mean, come on. just from an outsider's no, perspective. Please. We're not outsiders, Jenny. We're insiders. Mm. Now, Buffy misses the picture. She misses the picture, and we, so they're in the lunchroom. The lunchroom doesn't seem big enough. Um, yeah, that, that's right. a there's, huge high school. Maybe they have like seven cafeterias. Yeah, maybe it's just like an eating area. Anyway, they're in the eating area, and Buffy realizes she's missed the school picture, and she is pissed. <laughs> and she gets up to go confront Cordy, and that's when we learn that Cordy's slogan to win Homecoming Queen is, you get more with core. <laughs> Which, I'm just saying, like, I know we make t-shirts here, and I I don't know. You know, I don't know. You get more, like, it's not like she's campaigning for student government. Like, she's literally just campaigning to wear a crown for one night. It's not <laughs> like she has, like, duties to perform. It's not even, like, Miss America. Like, what the fuck is she talking? Like, what is this campaign? I don't know, but I'm, I'm with her. You get more with core. I do believe, in fact, that you do get more with core. Well, yeah, no, it's hard to disagree with that. Right. But... So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so Buffy goes up to Cordelia and is like, what the fuck, Cordy? And Cordy's like, what the fuck yourself? Like, deal with it. <laughs> it's a school picture. You're like slaying vampires. Why do you even care about this shit? And they have this whole moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That pause was Kristen holding her two forearms out with her palms up. Wiggling them back and forth furiously like, I can't even. I just, it's my favorite. They have this whole back and forth. And, you know, Bubby's like, I could beat your ass and fucking anything, Cordy. Even homecoming queen. And Cordelia's like, fucking bring it, Buffy. And the, and so the episode begins. Yes. Buffy announces, you've awakened the prom queen within. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And so to get in, I, I mentioned at the start of the episode that really this whole thing is kind of laid out like a back and forth between the competition between Buffy and Cordelia and the competition between those competing in Slayer Fest. And so, of course, the moment that this competition ignites between Cordelia and Buffy, we cut to the, we got to Mr. Trick, Lyle and Candy Gorch, which we know the names are both Gorch because he's very, very adamant about the fact that she's his wife. What? Uh, <laughs> Kulak, not to be confused with Kulats. Uh, Kulak, the uh, horned beast, the German brothers, and uh, you know they're all ready. They're all ready to, to compete. I just want to give a really quick shout out to Kulak of the Mequod clan and the way that he announces himself, which is very reminiscent of all of the clans of the mountain, the moon, uh, which, of course, Tyrion in Game of Thrones slash Song of Ice and Fire famously allies himself with, uh, like, they all introduce themselves as, like, I am Shaga, son of Dolph of the Stone Crows. <laughs> and they all have that way of introducing themselves. And uh, maybe... Maybe there's a crossover episode in the future. Oh, so what does he say? I am Kulak of the... Of the Mequod clan. Nice. I didn't know if he said more than that, and I missed it. Um, so, And we learn in this scene that there is going to be a Slayer Fest. Oh, yeah. A Slayer Fest where they're going to compete. It's not really clear. Do we ever learn, like, is it everybody playing together? It's not. They're no, they all pay in. And right. then whoever kills the Slayer has the uh, delight of killing the Slayer, and also they win all the money. They the win pot. all the money. Also, oh, I just want to say... Oh, sorry. But, and then the man, the, the old man at the helm of it all, he's just playing for sport. No, he's on a team with the German brothers. Oh! Or he's playing, and they're sort of oh, like his pawns. Oh, 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 that makes so much more sense. Great. I was confused. I thought he was like the man in charge and he and then the rest of them were doing stuff, but he seemed to be really giving an advantage to the German brothers. Right, 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 so right. this makes sense. Right, right. I'm so glad we've cleared this up. So, yo, the hunter guy, I just want to say he's wearing a tooth necklace and a fur jacket and later he gets his foot caught in one of his own bear traps and he's got like a big gun. Gee, does that remind us of anyone who was played by an actor who was perhaps booked at the time of the shooting of this episode? Right. Kane, the werewolf hunter. Right. He's definitely he's supposed, supposed to be, be a stand-in for Kane. Yeah, that's okay. Great. I'm glad you've also cleared that up because that's what I thought too. But then I was like, but that's also not Kane. Great. Also, they don't like, they, since I guess the actor was not the same actor, they didn't have Buffy share a moment with Kane. No, no, and he's not called, like, the character isn't named right. Kane. But it but, definitely like, was supposed to be that right. guy. Totally. Okay. Then, ugh. You know how sometimes you, you just, you're just trying on your dance clothes with ugh. your best friends since childhood, but then there's a Lisa Loeb song I playing, have, and it puts everything in a different light? I have a lot of feelings about this scene, because one of them obviously is no, 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 no. But the other feeling is that I, I just, 
I think this is a really brilliant scene. I think it's like one of the best scenes that's happened so far in the series in terms of making us understand where they are in their lives and and where mm-hmm. Willow and Xander are in their friendship. Like it gave me all of the feelings and it definitely had a lot to do with the Lisa Loeb song. I, uh-huh. will, I will give that credit where it's due, but it's just so... It's set up so beautifully. You have Willow and Xander trying stuff on. Definitely not like they're they're seniors in high school. They like kind of know what they want to wear, but like not really. They're not definitely not used to being dressed up. It's not something that you do a right, lot when you're right. in high school. And you you see all of the stuffed animals. Like they're so prominently placed in Willow's room for this scene. And it just sets up this it's just beautiful. It gives me like chills thinking about it. It really brought me back to being in that place in my life with friends who I had had for so long. And like just thinking about like, oh my God, we're about to like embark on this next step in our lives. It's such an overwhelming time. And it really, it's just so beautifully done. I loved, I love this scene and I hate what happens in this scene, but I just think that it makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of what happens here makes a lot of sense to me. You know what doesn't make sense? Uh, Just a high school girl with a dressing screen in her room. (laughs) No, I think you. I think that's totally possible. It's like because of decor. Like I think mm. having like screens like that in rooms was totally a thing in the nineties. Yeah, okay. You didn't really use them as dressing screens, but Willow right, does. Okay. So Willow also Willow's choice of outfits here are really funny. Like it's just it's a little dramatic that she like starts in a button down oh and then she goes to like a quirky dress and then all of a sudden the third choice is like this gorgeous. Or I could wear like, this thing black. I just pulled out of the back of my closet. <laughs> but they they also the actors in this scene do an incredible job too of uh, showing us. The moment that they're having together, Willow tying Xander's bow tie, it's mm-hmm. just, it's all very sweet and overwhelming, and they're overwhelmed, and and then this moment happens. And I don't know that anybody wants this to happen. I mean, maybe some people, I don't know. There's a lot of fans out there. Maybe people are really rooting for this to happen. But mm. my feeling, and I think a lot of people's feeling, is like, what? Like, Willow is with Oz, and we love Willow and Oz. You know, yeah. we might have complicated feelings about Xander and Cordy, but I know I love Cordy, and I know I love the coupling of Willow and Oz, and Oz has been so good to Willow and vice versa. So, you know, I don't want this to happen, and I'm very upset. Right. But that's a great feeling to have as an audience member because that is what you're supposed to – right. They don't want it to happen right, either. Right, 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 right. Hey there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So then we go to the library where General Buffy Summers (laughs) is sort of like giving a rundown to her would-be soldiers about their respective roles in her upcoming Homecoming Queen campaign. 
They all look very uncomfortable. They do. And so I just want to call out an email that we received from Mo E. Mo E wrote in, uh, I would like to bring to your attention something in this episode. There's very important information about our beloved Cordelia Chase, seen while Buffy is strategizing against her homecoming queen rivals. We learn that one of Cordelia's weaknesses is listed as Brie. Please do with that knowledge what you will. So if you if you go back, I mean, maybe you all saw it anyway, but if you go back and you pause on this moment with the list behind Buffy, you'll see that Brie, as in the cheese, is listed as one of Cordelia's weaknesses. Does it mean that she loves Brie and she will eat a lot of it? Does it mean that she hates Brie and it can be used as a weapon against her? Does it mean that she had a sordid affair with a uh, classmate named Bree. Ooh, great <laughs> idea, like painful Jenny. Painful memories and deep emotional cuts. Let the Cordelia and Bree fan fiction begin. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. So, Buffy is uh, has made a list of every weakness that she's about to enlist her friends to help her win. But then Cordelia walks in. This is brilliant. This is brilliant the way that Ugh. this is done because Buffy looks at Cordelia and is like, hey, man, no big deal. We're all friends here, so it's not a big deal that I'm using my friends to help beat you. And Cordelia's like, you're right. You made a great point, Buffy. So <laughs> now will everybody do the things that we've all agreed upon doing? Thank you so oh. much. And out everyone goes. And it sucks, but it's fun. It's fun. I'm having fun with this horrible competition at this mm. point. You know, I don't want Buffy to be upset, but I understand where both of them are coming from. Cordelia, I really, do you understand where both of them are coming from? Yeah, they both want to be homecoming queen. Well, they both want to be homecoming queen, but it's like Buffy wants to be homecoming queen because she really feels like she needs a, she needs to be seen. I mean, she says yeah, it yeah, later yeah, on in the episode, yeah. right? She, she wants she needs to, to feel present in her own life. Right. But Cordelia is like, you know what? Like, you have this whole fucking thing going on. Right, you're literally this the chosen one. This is my shit. Like, mm -hmm. I, you're the slayer and I'm the queen. Like, that's the way that this shit mm -hmm. works. So what are you doing? So I don't really understand why Willow has sided with... Cor I mean, I know they couch it in, like, Willow feels really guilty because of the Xander thing, and so she does yeah. this. But anyway, it's complicated. They all leave. I feel bad for Buffy, but there's a little there's a little evil part inside of me that was like, yeah, Cordy. <laughs> like, no. I don't know. I I don't know, guys. I don't know what's wow. happening with me. My inner homecoming queen was really unearthed. I didn't in this even know episode. you had an inner homecoming queen. <laughs> so, and then Buffy is with Giles. And he's like, oh, it's just for fun. It's just a silly high school thing, whatever. And then Buffy breaks a bottle with her bare with her hands. Bare hands. Uh, and then we begin Montage Town. Montage Town. So, the German brothers, I would like to give them runner up for Sexual Tension Award this week. Yeah, that shirtless, like, sort of uh, cho wrestling, chopping right, thing. Right, right. It's like, you know, I know yeah. they're brothers, but we watch Game of Thrones here. So, uh, wow. I'm just saying, Sexual Tension runners up, German brothers. Well, I don't know their names. You keep saying it and I forget. Hans and Frederick. I don't know. Ha the German brothers, Hans and Frederick, runners up. Um, I would. Since we're here, uh, Jenny, I, I don't know if we haven't discussed this, but I do have an award for sexual tension. Oh, do you, okay. are you are you OK if I please? I'm sure I'll agree with whatever you have to say. All right. So <clears throat> play the jingle, please. I would like to award the sexual tension award in homecoming to Cordelia Chase and Buffy Summers. Wow. You didn't see that coming? A twist. Where did you think it was going to go? Uh, Buffy and Faith, Not but I guess we already skated right by that. So tell me about I, Buffy and Cordelia. 
I mean, they're muddy. They're fighting for their lives. Oh, yeah. They're in a cabin. That's a great the point. The phone gets cut out. Wow. There's, that's your that's I'm a just, qualifier for the SDA. <laughs> I'm just saying that like sexual tension and competition is you they usually go hand in hand. And in a lot of the episodes in this season, we have seen Faith and Buffy in conflict with each other co- competing, right? Like right, right. They're, they're equally matched and they're duking it out and there's a heat there. Mm, and I'm just yes. saying that in this episode, I have to give it to Buffy's really been crowned with sexual attention awards for so many episodes. Right, here. right. But I, I, I don't know who else to give it to. Right. No, I, I think you're right. We, I just feel like we haven't quite gotten to where it really starts to get tense yet. Well, I'm Look, sorry. I couldn't but, wait. But yeah, yeah no, this is the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. I figured since I said who the runner-up was, I had totally, to jump of ahead. Course, of course. I'll be, I'll be happy to talk more about the sexual tension later on. So in the middle of this montage situation, yes. we see uh, Buffy and Cordelia campaigning, and then we see the the Slayer Fest uh, baddies kind of like practicing. Can I just say that Kulak of the Mequod clan... I feel like his wrist knives yeah. that sort of pop out of his forearms yeah. and then he throws them are very slow. It just seems impractical in terms yeah. of like a a body weapon. It's definitely not right. It's it's not a great weapon. But, you know, he's he's quick once he gets them out. He throws them quick. He does. He so, does at that. Okay, great. And, and, and it seems like, like it seems like later when he uses them, he didn't like get there and then release them. Like he had them on hand. Right, right, right. So but I don't, he doesn't he's not like weighed down by them when he's like running. Right. So he probably like runs and then like when he's like pops getting out. closer, mm-hmm. then he pops them out so he's ready. So much of life is timing. Anyway. Um we see Cordelia campaigning and trying to win over all kinds of people, and when she gets to a group of folks that we'll call nerds, she says Are you kidding? I've been doing the Vulcan death grip since I was four. But she doesn't perform the Vulcan death grip uh, to demonstrate her skills. She, what she actually does is just sort of like poke the guy in the forehead like four or five times in a row. It's not even a grip. Yeah, the nerds are not buying it. I'll tell you or what. Or are they? I don't know. Uh, to, to, at the end of this episode, I think we learned that they were not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. And I think, I think fellow nerds out there, you know. Can't yeah. be won over by some fake Vulcan death grip. That's true. Come on, Cordelia hasn't paid them any mind. She's been making fun of their outfits from Sears since freshman year. Oh, They're not going to vote for Cordelia. Okay, okay, that's a good point. I'm just saying. Also, in this montage, we see Jonathan. Jonathan, if you're just watching the series for the first time, I think you're starting to understand how Jonathan gets a real soft spot in many of our hearts. Yes, yes. Because he's just always there. He's just, like, always having a moment. Yeah, being the everyman. Yes, being the everyman. Man, so Jonathan has a moment in this montage, and the big question I have from this montage with the competition between Buffy and Cordelia is why do those people eat their cupcakes like that? Why do they have chocolate all over their faces? Oh, Nobody eats a cupcake like that. What? I don't understand what that's supposed Just to be, be reasonable. For. Get it's, a fork and knife if you don't know how to do it. It's supposed to show how like the students are really eating up the competition or something. I, like, I don't, oh my god, like. <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why. David Greenwald, if you're out there, please let me know why your direction was to have two people with chocolate all over their mouths. All over their mouths. They're not in elementary school. They're high school students. They're not going to eat like that. You know what else is great? Yeah, I do. But please, but please tell us, Jenny. Buffy and Cordelia like are getting into some (laughs) shit out in the courtyard. (laughs) And Cordelia says a terrible thing. I mean, Buffy says, uh, 
do you have, do you, like, how could you be as horrible as you are or whatever? Do you have, do you even have parents? And Cordelia says, yes, two of them, <laughs> unlike some people. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I know joking about divorce isn't necessarily the most appropriate form of joking. But this but, is just beyond oh, the pale. God, it's it so made, over the top. I just can't. It made me, also then I, I wrote that quote down and then I wrote down, fight, 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 fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some... <laughs> There's some shoulder touching and some wrist grabbing. Yeah, the whole thing. Do you see? Like, I know we're not to the cabin see, yet, I see. but like, the sexual tension, sexual is, tension to is a foot bloom Jenny. upon the horizon. It's a foot. Or a hand. Uh, speaking of sexual tension, womp womp. Then we go to Xander and Willow. They're in Willow's room, and we're learning that they can't keep their hands off of each other. I hate it. I know I already talked about this in the earlier scene, but I think that the biggest reason that I don't want this, and it's no, I mean no disrespect to Xander and Cordelia's relationship at all because I really, whatever. But I think the reason that I'm hurt the most by this is because I felt like Willow and Oz were going to be together forever. 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 And they were, you know, and like that. And I just, I don't like cheating. Don't cheat, guys. Don't, please don't. I know it's hard sometimes because you're like, because, and they really set up, I mean, the, the show sets up, the reality of cheating, I think, very well, where you're like, this horrible thing has happened and it cannot happen again. And I'm not going to say anything about it because it, it wasn't supposed to happen in the first place. Right. And, and I'm just going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. And this is a lesson to anyone out there. It's not really the best way to handle shit. Yeah. If something's happening, even if it's never going to happen again, bringing it out into the open and having a discussion about it is generally speaking the best path forward. It's the most respectful path forward. And now we have this whole situation. Xander and Willow both feel horrible. Oz and Cordelia don't know anything, but are set up to possibly feel horrible. Uh-huh. And I feel, Kristen Russo feels horrible. Yeah, perhaps the biggest victim in this whole scenario yeah. is Kristen Russo. Tell your partners that you're cheating so I don't have to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we go to the limo. It's... Homecoming time. Homecoming time. As we learned earlier, and as uh, Hans and Frederick happened to be listening in and learned earlier as well, <laughs> uh, first the limo is going to pick up Faith, yes. then Buffy. But when Buffy gets into the limo, it's not Faith, her date, waiting for her, but rather Cordelia. And like, you know, Buffy's a little disappointed because like it's Cordelia. She doesn't want to see Cordelia. But I think she's most disappointed because she was pretty excited about some alone time with Faith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, she gets in and she's like, what the hell? And they've got this note from their friends who are like, listen, yeah, the limo wasn't cheap. Work out, out your shit right. on the way to homecoming so that we can all enjoy our evening. And, and, and there are two corsages. Yeah. Cordelia took the orchid. Cordelia immediately. I took the orchid. I, Cordelia, I love you. And I, I want to say we have two, two ladies in a limo wearing some homecoming dresses and some corsages, and I couldn't think of anybody but Kate Leth that I would like to hear from right at this moment. Yes! It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update. Well, welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch, and it is homecoming season. And there are a lot of outfits in this episode, so let's get through two before the main event. One, Buffy's gray A-line pinup dress when she's trying to get votes is absolutely stunning. And two, Willow's homecoming dress, which is gorgeous and flattering, but kicks off one of the worst plot lines in the entire series, so it's dead to me. Let's get in the limo. 
Cordelia clearly wins with that sweetheart neckline on a timeless, vintage-inspired green silk dress. The only thing dating her outfit are the curls in her hair, whereas Buffy's very California sweetheart coral gown feels a step out of touch now with the spaghetti straps. I do, however, prefer Buffy's tiny silk box-shaped clutch to Cordelia's envelope-style one. There's a lot of good going on either way. But let's talk corsages, shall we? Now, the bodice of a woman's dress was once called a corsage, and these tiny floral arrangements were worn attached to the bodice as a bouquet de corsage. I'm Canadian, I can't help it, sorry. Interestingly enough, in ancient Greece, the practice of wearing flowers to weddings was meant to ward off bad luck and evil spirits, which doesn't work so well for our heroines. In the early 20th century, as the practice of proms became more widespread, gentlemen would offer a bouquet of flowers to their date's parents, and one bloom would be chosen and attached to the girl's dress. Heteronormative, I know, but bear with me. The practice of pinning the flower was more or less abandoned as spaghetti straps and strapless dresses came into fashion, which is why most corsages today are either worn on the wrist or come with a band for that option. Corsages can be made with fake flowers but are traditionally fresh and prepared to match the dress of the receiver, as well as accents such as a pocket square or tie on the besuited gentleman. He may also wear a boutonniere, or buttonhole, which is a smaller, coordinated flower. I would, of course, be remiss not to mention the alternative, a small bundle of flowers held in the hand better for photography, which is called a nosegay. I'm not kidding. Isn't that great? Of course, like prom itself, these traditions are painfully straight and practically made to be subverted, but however you choose to get fancy, I'm a fan of florals. Whether it's corsages, boutonnieres, nosegays, or elaborate flower crowns with antlers and all the trimmings, it's fun to feel a bit Midsummer Night's Dream no matter what this season. Plus, the fake flowers at Michael's are, like, always on sale. Trust me. Until next time, I'll see you at the florist. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Thank you, Kate Leth, turning over every stone. Kate Leth, always here for us when we need, always here for us to let us know the things that we wonder most about. Yes. We love you, Kate. So these two ladies roll up. Yeah, the they think they're at school. They're at school. They're they ready get for out the, of or the, wherever the homecoming dance is. They, they hear the footsteps uh, receding quickly. Right. And they're like, well, that's weird. Sounds like the driver got out of the limo and ran away. Right. You see Buffy like immediately switch into slayer mode. She's like, right. something's up. Then they step out into the <laughs> woods and there's a TV and a VCR with a big sign that says press play. Press play. I love and the sign. what the fuck is it plugged into? <laughs> what hey, is it plugged into? A tree? <laughs> you know, there's extension cords, Jenny. How extension? And that van is wired up. Maybe the van's parked mm. a couple miles away and they, they just extension. two miles of extension cords. Yeah, two okay. miles of extension Great. cords. Come on. Through the back alleys of Sunnydale. That's right. What oh, that's God, what of they're course. here for. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So press play, and oh, they do. And what we learn in this moment is that there is a graphic designer on the team. Some demon out there knows how to use, and it must be one of Trick's cronies. Yeah, Trick's got a freelancer. Yeah, because Trick is a modern vampire, so uh-huh. he must have somebody that got turned into a... He, you know what he probably did as a modern vampire? Vampirized a yes. graphic designer. He sired himself uh, an industry. He, he oh sired himself a graphic designer. Oh I bet you he's got God. a whole fucking team. This logo is fantastic. It looks great. It looks wonderful. So before we follow these two into the woods on their journey, we learn that Dingo's Ate My Baby is playing Homecoming. How do you get that gig? That's a pretty good gig. It also doesn't really make much sense because I don't think the whole school listens to Dingo's Ate My Baby. And yeah. I feel like you probably want a DJ at your Homecoming dance. Yeah. Just, I mean, whatever. You, you want End of the Road. Right. You right? want, <laughs> okay. 
You want, yeah. I'll make love Yesterday, to you. Yesterday we were talking about homecoming dances and Jenny was like, yeah, like when they play, I'll make love to you. And I was like, did they play that song at your dance? I think they did. Yeah, like that was like the way they ended the fucking night. They were like, Maybe I'll not make the love to you. A bunch of 15 year olds. We turn them loose into the night. Just to be clear, I did go to dances that weren't formals. Right, we had, right, like, right, right. had, cash dances. You went to only the dances where they played I'll Make Love to You. God damn it. <laughs> I just, like, there's no funnier image for me than a bunch of people, at a, a bunch of high schoolers at a dance, and, like, the adult DJ being like, I bet you this one will get him in the mood. <laughs> I'll make love to you. Listen, when you're playing the top hits like of you yesterday and to. today... And I'll okay. hold you tight, baby, all through the night. You sound great. Thank you. I was hoping you were going to join in with no, me. No, ma'am. That was a solo <laughs> enterprise for <laughs> K. Russo. <laughs> Anyhow, you know who's looking? You know who Faith I is would, looking good. I would like to play that song Faith for Faith. Faith looking good. Faith looks awesome. Nice choker. You know what? I've seen some cosplay out there. I would like to know where my... Faith at Homecoming cosplayers are because oh. damn she looks so great. I would she like does. to wear this outfit. It would be hard to identify a, a cosplay costume as Faith at Homecoming. Yeah, so well, not if you're me. I promise you that if you show up chick. to any event as Faith from Homecoming, I will immediately recognize you. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So and then I will play. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> So Willow and Xander are watching Dingo's Ain't My Baby play with like guilt-stricken, miserable faces. And Giles pops up between them and says, we have to find Buffy. Something terrible has happened before giggling to himself and being like, just kidding. Everything's fine. I just thought I'd give you a scare. It's got to be one of the top Giles moments to date. Yeah, it's really It's like great. Stuffy Giles out for a romp, you know, just out (laughs) to have a great time. Uh, Of course, poor Giles will find out that he is actually correct. Something terrible has happened. Dang it. We're back in the woods and Buffy and Cordelia, Buffy has sort of like overtaken the wannabe Kane character. Right, He's right. gotten caught in a bear trap and she's got the gun on him and she says, you better let me know how many how many people are out there and what they've got. Yes. And this guy gives it up. He will, you know, yeah. He, what he are you wants to do? save his life, but I just feel like in that situation, like, do you know that you're going to still live? Like, it's remarkable to me that he does still live, you know, that, that she's like, okay, great. So you're a... Well, she's got a moral compass. Maybe he knows something about slayers and morality. Ah, uh, maybe. But I regardless, we learn, or Buffy learns what she's up against, which is really important. Uh, and then, of course, we see two two spearheaded pointy-headed spikes (laughs) (laughs) hit the tree and they run. Yes. But first we go back to the dance. We flash right back to the dance. Where Faith is on the prowl to make sure that Scott gets what he deserves for dumping her girlfriend, Buffy Summers. Praise. Faith rolls right up to Scott and this other girl. And she's pissed. Like, she was already pissed in the last bit, I think. And she's like, fuck it, this guy fucking, she's so Uh mad. uh And uh she goes over and she's like, don't worry, Scott, um, the doctor called and your rash will clear up. But classic. You just got to keep using the ointment. (laughs) Classic move. Uh, and so I don't know that that actually was effective because probably the girl was like, who is that girl? Does she go here? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She just looks like trouble. Right. And then the only thing I want to point out in this scene before we go back to Cordelia and uh, Buffy, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Wow. Is uh, that Giles calls the homecoming queen the coronation (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's, he's going back to the, his office until it's time for the coronation. Until the coronation. Very so 
English. So English of Giles. So now here we are. Buffy has cordoned off. They found this cabin in the woods, not to be confused with the movie. The cabin in the woods. Cabin in the woods. That would be quite a twist uh, (laughs) if we suddenly wound up there. Uh, But they're in this cabin and they're looking for weapons or, or, you know, Buffy is like, Cordelia, you need to find a weapon. And she tries to get Cordelia mad so that Cordelia is not scared because Cordelia's first impulse is like, I can't do this. I I don't want to whatever. And Cordelia recognizes what's happening and says, "Like you think you'd you th- you thought you'd get me mad, and then and it's kind of working, <laughs> right? And it like overtakes her. And then she has I know this this episode is full of us giving you Cordy sound clips, but I just would like to go to the moment where she gets angry enough to look for the weapon. Let's hear you, Cordy. I know what you're up to. You think if you get me mad enough, I won't be so scared. And hey." It's working. Where's a damn weapon? Oh, Cordy. Cordy, Cordy, Cordy. How we love you. Don't you worry. There's going to be plenty of times when you get your jingle in this episode. (laughs) But first, Cordelia finds her weapon. It is a spatula. Uh, yeah. And she sort of waves it in the air. Yeah, it's like, whoosh. whoosh. (laughs) And Buffy's like, that's... And she's like, this is all I could find. It was just this. I opened the drawer. It was just this and a phone. Um, <laughs> Skirk! So Buffy's like, oh, maybe we could use the phone. You think that would be useful? And like Cordelia has a moment where she's like, no, like aerodynamically, I think the spatula <laughs> is the more nimble. And Which uh, like, you know, I love Cordelia, but I think she's actually wrong on both counts. I do think that a phone would phone probably be Especially a better, an old rotary phone. Yeah. Have real heft to it. Much better weapon anyway. Uh, something else that is said in the scene that I just want to put a little spotlight on for 90s nostalgia is that they have a moment where they're talking about her. She's like sort of thinking on her love for Xander and her life. And Buffy's like, you love Xander? And she's like, you know, he just kind of grows on you like a chia pet. So here's the thing. a chi- This always bothered me. Okay. D- because please. I feel like she should say, yeah, he just grows on you like mold, mold or right. something. A chia pet is it an entity? It's a whole thing, <laughs> including the animal-shaped base. Right, but she means like and the like the moss on the like base. the moss on a chia pet. Oh, like that's moss. a little like nitpicky, Miss Youngs. Object. <laughs> But there's nothing I can do about it. So they leave a message, or Buffy starts to leave a message. It gets cut off, but not too, you know, not right, too quickly. Right. Enough information. Giles, we get a, a brief little glimpse of a green mug as Giles goes to the yes. library, listens to the message, and it's right? like, oh fuck. And this, and so Giles knows what's up. They're, you know, activate Scoobies. I'm sure is what's going to happen next. Who knows? But right, he, right. he he knows what's up. And then we go back to the cabin, and this is where we get Buffy's big monologue. Right, it's where we find out that it's where she finally opens up to Cordelia about why this is important. Right, to her. Cordelia's like, why do you care about Homecoming Queen when you're like saving the world right. like, every day? Right, and this is interesting. Like, I maybe I'm maybe I'm putting too personal a twist on this, but I do feel that like. It is often when when you're doing a particular kind of work, it can seem to the outside world that like well you must be fu- like you must be fulfilled, right? Right. You're like right. Buffy is saving the world every day. She's slaying vampires every day, so she must be fulfilled. She must be happy. I mean, she's literally doing the highest thing you can do. Right. 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 But there's no room left for wanting to appreciate 
the other things in life, for wanting to participate in some of the things in life that you might not get to do mm-hmm. when you're saving the world. And I, I like this. I like this moment between Buffy and Cordelia because I feel like it's important that we see, and I think as viewers, we see Buffy as a rounded person, but I think that we even on the outside could stand yeah. to remember that she is a high school student, that she is wanting to participate in high school things, that she has other desires outside of just saving the world. That saving the world alone by herself is not going to be fulfilling enough for her. She needs more. Yeah. And I think Cordelia gets it, you know? Plus, she looks cute in a tiara. She says that she pumps a rifle. (laughs) Yeah, great. Fantastic moment. So in comes Kulak. Kulak. Of the Mequod clan shows up. Kulak is on their heels and... (laughs) I don't even remember exactly how this fight scene goes down, except for that there's a moment where Cordy is slapping Kulak (laughs) with the spatula, (laughs) and it's fucking great. It's great. And we're so close to the Cordelia jingle. I know everybody's just on the edge of their car seats right now waiting for us to play the jingle. Uh, She deserves it so many times, but we're trying to have some self-control. Yes. So in the middle of the spatula slapping, the uh, Gorch brothers, no, the German brothers, yes. Hans and Friedrich, what are their names? <laughs> yeah, Hans and Friedrich. Oh, great. They throw a grenade or they launch a, what Jenny called a mini missile. Yeah, who knows what that thing was. Into the cabin. And so everyone jumps through windows except for, oh no, Kulak. the window Kulak tries to jump through is boarded up. It's so sad. I was really sad to lose Kulak. You were we really just, rooting for Kulak. We I, I wasn't ye. rooting for Kulak to win, but like I just felt like he should get away and we should see him again another day. Like he was a great little demon. Right, right, right. Anyway, he doesn't. The house explodes. And we see two quick uh, narrative things happen. First, we see that the Gorches have knocked Giles out and they're hanging out in the library waiting for the Slayers to show up after ding, they ding, knock ding. out Ding, ding, ding. Giles knockout. Ha! Competition. And then we see Mr. Trick answer a knock at the door and it's law enforcement. He gets carried away by them yes uh so the cops take trick and we imagine that the cops are taking you know because the mayor's orders were to get the the brother german brothers and any other characters that were like part of this slayer fest right right right, right so right. you uh, when i saw this scene i was like oh they're probably gonna get everyone but then when we get to the end of the episode it seems like he just really trick. he really just wanted trick the leader uh, the leader of the the leader of the pack. wow so then we get to Cordelia and Buffy getting back to the library and uh, facing off with the Gorches. And it is great. They're all laid out. Like, they really spread out these Slayer Fest players, you know? I was really, I wasn't expecting to see any of them at the school. I thought it was an, a woods-centric thing. Well, in Sunnydale, the back alleys are adjacent to the school, is adjacent to the woods, is adjacent to the cemetery. Right. So it's really it's just... Easy access no matter uh-huh. where you go. So right, so this is where we've we've held our Cordelia jingle tongues until now because we thought otherwise we would have just the whole episode would have been a Cordy jingle, just an hour of that. So we waited for our favorite Cordelia moment yes! in the episode, which is like the one-two punch of my notes are Cordy slays with a spatula, Cordy slays with her words. Wow, <laughs> well said. Because she does it. She slays the vamp with. The spatula, everyone. So great. Incredible. Wooden Incredible. handle right into the heart. We assume it had a wooden you, handle. That's got to take a lot of I'm not of sure it had a wooden it handle. It has to be a wooden handle, otherwise it wouldn't have killed the vampire. I understand, but still. It you're looked like, in denial. It looked you're like spatula denial. It just looked like a rubber spatula. But it had, you're right, Jenny. It had a wooden handle. Yes. Thankfully. Anyway, Cordy slays candy. 
What a, yes. What a great. Cordy Slay's Candy, of course. Cordy Slay's Candy. And then we're left with Lyle. Lyle Gorch is like, yeah, I'm going to take Buffy's you. Buffy's knocked out. Right. Buffy's out. Buffy Buffy has really got some hard hits she in the library. She has absorbed some uh, blunt force trauma. Yes. And so Cordelia is like, well, I'm going to step up. And she sparks fear in Lyle. It's so amazing. With her speech. That it's is incredible. so amazing. I mean, this is... Like, this is the embodiment of why there is a Cordelia jingle. So let us all think. I want, as it plays, I want you to think about Cordelia. I want you to think about her with the spatula. I want you to think about her with her words. I want you to think about Lyle Gortz running out the door. Let's go. Listen up, needle brain. Buffy and I have taken out four of your cronies, not to mention your girlfriend. Life! Whatever. The point is, I haven't even broken a sweat. See, in the end... Buffy's just the runner-up. I'm the queen. You get me mad? What do you think I'm going to do to you? Cordelia, maybe never have we loved you so much as we love you now. I want to let everyone listening know that the Cordelia jingle and and most of our jingles are available for ringtones and also for Android users on various sites, but we have taken it upon ourselves Mm. to centralize the jingles. So if you're a patron, you know. There's a a little link. You click on jingles, right? You get them all for free if you're a $5 patron or higher. Now, if you're not and you want the jingles, just go to Buffering the Vampire slayer.com and you will see in the music section there's a little link to the jingles where you can find them all wow i didn't even know you did that no because because right now i haven't done it yet jenny but i know this episode <laughs> isn't going to go up for a little while oh, so oh I, I see don't don't behind, behind the scenes magic <laughs> <laughs> but that that'll be up for all of you because i know many of you uh struggle to find it it is kind of tricky in the back alleys of amazon yes um so <laughs> so so the corsages were wired this whole time. Oh my god! Is what we learn after, of course, after Lyle Gorch gets real mad at Cordy about not calling Candy his wife. Uh huh. Uh huh. He flees, and then in the next bit, we learn that the corsages—that's how they were being kept track of. I just want to say that the way they get tipped off to like look at the corsages critically is Giles being like. Oh, they gave you corsages? They didn't mention anything about corsages, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. I, I call foul. It is. I didn't even notice it. I was. I didn't even notice it. It is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you for noticing, Jenny. But they sorted out very they quickly. They sorted out very quickly. And then Buffy uses a new tactic, which is giant spitballs. Yes. To have the German brothers kill, kill each kill other. Kill each other, which is... Uh, yeah, this show's kind of like wiling out on what who we can and cannot kill these yeah, days, right? What's happening? Because here? are the brothers even demons? I think they're just they're just uh, well trained brothers, right? So, like, yeah, get everybody get back on the rails here. We think that the we think that the acceptable thing is that you can kill a demon. I don't know about killing. but is it a killer be killed? Does being in a killer be killed situation change the stakes or the rules or whatever? I don't think it. I don't know. That's a you know that's a topic for another time. It's a can of worms, Jenny. It's not only a can of worms. <laughs> 
It's a can of worms, and all those little worms are opening their own cans of worms. Wow, of, other, of teeny tiny teeny, worms? Teeny tiny worms. It's an wow. endless worm can. What a beautiful refraction. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the mayor. Yes, back to the mayor who has called a meeting unbeknownst to Mr. Trick with Mr. Trick. Yes, that's an exciting suit, he says, about Mr. Trick's suit. It is an exciting suit. It is an exciting suit. Trick has, a, Trick has another moment. We talked a couple of episodes ago about Trick bringing race into the conversation yes. in Sunnydale. And Trick does this again. Trick says, so, you know, the mayor says something, or he goes to say something to Trick. And Trick is like, well, the the way the mayor sets it up is like, uh, it's a big year for me. Yes. And uh, I, I need things to go smoothly this year. Right. And Trick has this comment. I didn't write down the verbatim uh, words, but he has this comment about like how he was already sick of being told to move out of white people's neighborhoods. Essentially. Before he was sired as a vampire. Right. So he certainly has had enough of it yeah, yeah, yeah. as a demon. So again, this is not, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. It's not unpacked a ton, but it is now two for two with Trick because Trick wasn't in the last episode. Mm -hmm. So Trick's had two episodes of having comments where he's saying like, hey, you know what? I'm going to acknowledge something that nobody else on the show is acknowledging. Yeah, because and they have the privilege and ability to right. not have to acknowledge right, it. Right, right. The mayor has the ability to start that sentence without thinking about you know, what, what Trick it might mean. Or, or, right, what right. that might mean to Trick or what it could mean, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yes. So, um, so important to notice this and, and I think uh, for me especially because I don't really remember a lot about the series. I remember like the big plot points but I'm really curious to see what else is going to happen in Trick's arc this mm. season. Mm -hmm. So, and then there's a Moist Towelette comment, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, just important, important things. And then we go to... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, right, it's just right. important to say that uh, the mayor's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm what I'm saying. Like, we're going to be on the same team. And Trick's like, what if I don't want to be on your team? And the yeah. mayor's like, that won't be a problem. Right. The mayor's very confident yes. in the fact that the offer he has... It's will an offer trick be, we'll be able to refuse. Yes, we'll not be able to be refused. So oh, he also loves the name Slayerfest. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> loves which, it. Which, of course, who doesn't? Of course, no, because it's a great name. But I, it's just something nice to notice about the mayor that he appreciates a, a well-named event. He appreciates a well-named event, and he has a good eye. I mean, what, from what we've seen of Trick, Trick is not fucking around. Yeah, Trick is somebody you want on your side if you're up to some If stuff. you're looking at the bigger picture. As yes, Trick exactly. Said himself. I think we have two gentlemen who are both looking at the bigger picture here. Yes. Joining forces. Then Speaking of people joining forces. It's time <laughs> for the coronation. The coronation. Now, how does it come to pass? I guess just it's just by uh by default that Devin at, because Dingo's Ate My Baby are playing, that Devin would be the person yeah, to I announce homecoming queen. Yeah, I think it was just logistically, no yeah, logistically easier. Sure, to sure. Not ha you know, he's already on the mic. Give him the envelope. And of course, and there's that great side moment where Buffy's like, you don't want to mess with Cordelia. And Xander's oh. like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> no, you don't want to mess with Cordelia. And Xander, you are messing with Cordelia. Yeah. Bad, bad idea, man. So the episode comes to a close around the winner of the Homecoming Queen. And after everything they've been through, but you know, Buffy and Cordelia look each other in the eye and they're like, mm, that didn't put anything in perspective or that really put things in perspective. Yes. And I still really care about being Homecoming yes. Queen. This show is not trying to tell us that life or death shit is going to make you not want another thing that you wanted 
just as much. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, they still both want the queen. Which the is great. crown. They still both want the crown. And Cordelia called this shit in the beginning of the episode. She said to Buffy, I don't understand why you have to splinter yeah, my stop vote. splintering my vote. And that's exactly what happened. Buffy mm. splintered Cordelia's vote. And so then the other two tied for queen. And as we mentioned, we have two queens, no king, <laughs> which we like. And so Cordelia and Buffy are like, are you kidding me and we watch them like sort of walking out of the auditorium uh filthily like covered in dirt with like straw in their hair and their dresses all must rolling their eyes clearly having just come down on the other side of the fence like homecoming queen is bullshit right 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 totally and i love it i i love this moment this is really cordelia and buffy have had a couple of moments like here and there where oh yeah like out of mind out of sight yes yes exactly but this is a really this is just another little it's like if there were two little laces they really got tied up much tighter in this episode (laughs) you know We've talked a lot in our show about how Buffy's character was a Cordelia right. before yes. she was chosen, before she knew she was the Slayer and before mm-hmm. her life changed. Right. And being the Slayer, being uh, chosen, changed the shape of her life and made her like reevaluate things and just, I mean, how could it not? It's, right. it's your whole thing. Your and whole we're existence. seeing, it's like we're seeing with the two of them how coexisting with another human being can bring out strengths in you that you didn't realize you had. And like, I just feel like that Cordelia and Buffy together are very powerful because we see in this episode and in the series, Buffy teaching Cordelia how strong she is, right? In this episode, pick up a weapon, you can fight. She slays the vampire. She fucking makes the other vampire run away from her. And you can see the satisfaction on her face. Like, (laughs) I can do this. And I think that Cordelia also allows Buffy in this episode to say, wait a second, I I didn't just want to slay vampires. I had a whole life before this right, and I right. still identify with those pieces of me and those are important pieces of me so I love their relationship and this episode is very important to me I think it's a really great episode for the two of them a yes. very important episode for Cordelia and just a rad episode all around great work everybody yes so great well I am Jenny Owen Youngs and when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen I'm making songs you can hear some of those songs and learn more about my musical work over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering you can always give me a holler on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I'm Kristen Russo. You can find out all about me, my work with LGBTQ communities. Reminder, it's National Coming Out Day. No day like the present. Check out all of those resources <laughs> over at everyoneisgay.com, mykidisgay.com, or you can just find out about the whole shebang at my website, kristinoline.com, or on Twitter at kristinoline. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast. And you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yeah, and we've got a couple of things to tell you about both of those ways to contact and follow us. First of all, if you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you know that this week we did a giveaway of really cool shit Three of you, one from Twitter, one from Facebook, and one from Instagram, because we like to spread the love, won special prizes. Kayla on Facebook won a Faith figurine. Christine on Twitter won a DVD box set of season three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Devin on Instagram won a copy of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Encyclopedia, which is a new book out by Nancy Holder and Lisa A. Clancy. Nancy Holder, if you don't know, wrote The Watcher's Guide back in the day. 
is back at you for the 20th anniversary with this uh, encyclopedia. And it rules. I actually put it to the test. I asked Jenny many times to tell me a thing. And I found every single thing she thought of <laughs> in the encyclopedia. So um, those three people won those three fun things. And I want to say that two out of these three fun things were actually given to us by you. Some of you are sending us your Buffy things that you no longer have space for or that you want to give on to the next generation of Buffy fans. <laughs> and then we are re-gifting them. So thank you to those of you who have sent us these really special things. And if you want to be a part of this, we're doing another giveaway in a couple of weeks. So you can follow us in those places. And oh, hey, speaking of emails, we've got a few emails from last week that we wanted to share with all of you. Yes. First of all, Ryan G wrote in on something we said about the age of angel in last week's episode. I think I made up a number 481 or something. Ryan, Ryan did a little hell math for us, Jenny. Hell math. Ryan G. writes to us, if I remember correctly, the rule was every one day on Earth is 100 years down in the hell dimension. And Angel was there all summer. So for simplicity's sake, let's assume Angel was in the demon dimension from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Sorry, Angel, no <laughs> pool parties for you. That's 99 days, which would mean he has aged approximately 9,900 years and is now 10,141 years old. It's a miracle he didn't drop from that clot ring portal with cloven hands and a fruit punch mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ryan, for a good laugh and for a, you know, accurate depiction. We're dealing with 10,141-year-old Angel. Even less appropriate to be dating a high school senior. <laughs> All right, Kate M. also wrote in with a little light hell math as well. Uh, in response to our question about how much blood you have to lose to die or lose consciousness. Uh, Kate writes... We have about five liters of blood, and if we lose anything more than 40% of that, so around 2,000 milliliters, we would probably go into shock and die fairly quickly. Although from my experience, I work as a midwife, if you lose 1,000 milliliters, people tend to get pretty dizzy and faint. So a really fast drinking vampire, as fast as the world record for chugging beer fast, could maybe cause someone to lose enough blood to faint in maybe six seconds. Also, how affected you are depends on your initial iron levels, so maybe everyone in Sunnydale is just chronically anemic. I wouldn't put it past him in Sunnydale. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, they got a lot going on in that helmet. They now. do. Uh, last but certainly not least, Amber H. wrote in to answer. Now, just so you know, these are just, a lot of you answered these questions, not just these humans. But Amber H. wrote to us about morgues. We wondered, Cordy grabbed her nose, held her nose in the last episode, and we were like, but does the morgue even smell? Because the bodies are refrigerated. Amber says... You guys were talking in Beauty and the Beasts about whether or not bodies in the morgue would smell. I used to work as a crisis counselor in a medical examiner's office. The morgue can definitely smell. The bodies are refrigerated, which slows but does not stop the decomposition process. Also, the office regularly examined bodies that were pretty far along in the decomposition process before they ever made it to our doorstep. Those smells can linger. Amber H. from Philly, giving us all the information we need about morgues. Thank you, Amber. All right, two more announcements, one huge, one tiny, before we go. The tiny announcement is that we have jingles on our website now. So many of you have been looking for jingles and we're like, go on Amazon, go on Google Play, on Patreon, you can get... So we've centralized all of the jingles. <laughs> if you go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and you click on music, there's a little link to jingles and they're all there. All of the links are there. I spent all day today finding them all for you, so they're all in one place. So now you can get all the jingles that your heart 
desires. In the large announcement bin, <gasps> we would like to tell you that we had the absolute privilege of getting to interview the one and only Christine Sutherland. Ah! I know! For next week's episode, Band Candy. So next week, not only will you get Jenny Owen Youngs, Kristen Russo, and Kate Leth, who guests with us for the full episode and who barely keeps it together with Giles. Uh, Let me tell you, I don't know how she made it through the episode, but we also have a special interview with Christine Sutherland, who was so nice to talk with us. We are so, I mean, we couldn't be more excited. There's no, you couldn't make me more excited, not if you tried. So you really probably want to tune in next week. Band Candy, one of the best episodes of the whole damn season. A wonderful guest, a wonderful interview. We are very, very excited. Yes, 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 yes. But until then. Yes, until then. We'll be howling into the abyss. Yes. Uh, Cordelia, got that same paraphernalia you've never seen. My inner prom queen can sweep and dust and mop the floor with you. Boats, those boats, and still have time to do homework and slay. Oh, how you pay. Well, tonight is the night. Paper streamers, twinkle lights, limo ride, and surprise. Hey, we're finally at the woods. VCR. Some business vampire made Instead of homecoming We're running in Slayer Fest 98 Being hunted with Cordelia She ain't gonna make this easier Won't stand a chance Lest she gets mad Then if you're Yes, you whack at you with the wooden hands of spatula gorgeous beware. Oh, hey, how's my hair? Well, tonight is the night. Paper streamers, twinkle lights, limo ride, and surprise. Hey, we're finally at the woods. VCR and a tape that some business vampire made. Instead of homecoming, we're running in Slayer Fest 98. Well, we didn't win, stupid homecoming, but we did win at spending quality time together and also learning about one another's strengths and weaknesses and deepening our friendship. Well, tonight is the night, paper streamers twinkle lights, limo ride and surprise, hey, we're finally at the woods, VCR and a tape that some business vampire made. Instead of homecoming, we're running in Slayer Fest 98. 
We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics. Which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman, Saga, and Lore Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider-Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can tell me what Comic-Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands. Mm-hmm.